This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Well, we've been talking about social media companies and their belated efforts to try and crack down on some of the controversial content that you see on their sites, like the New Zealand shooting of 50 people, which was live streamed on Facebook before eventually being shut down. But even after that, there were more than a million attempts to try to upload that same video onto websites like YouTube and Facebook, and they had to try to shut that all down. The people who do that are called content moderators, and that is not an easy job. Just think for a moment about all the things they have to see before they pull that stuff off of the internet. Let's meet someone who used to do this for a living and find out what it was like. Chris Gray is a former content moderator who worked at Facebook International Headquarters in Dublin, Ireland. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Simi. Tell me, what was your job like? Like, what did you do every day? Well, you'd come in. I was on the evening shift, so I would start work at 5.30. And the first thing is just to go through all of the discussions and queries and updates that have come in during the day where people have been discussing uh, trending topics or difficult content that they've encountered. And then you just jump straight in. You press a button marked just go and your screen just flashes up with the first thing that you have to work on. And what was that like? What, what, What kind of things did you see? Well, nine out of 10, it's just tedious, boring stuff. You know, you can imagine some family have had a family squabble and everybody's reporting everybody else. And you you just have to go through it and try not to get too depressed at the states of their lives and just decide what has to be taken down. And then you get the not such nice stuff, you know, the really, the really brutal, disturbing content as well. And is that something that you saw on a regular basis? Yeah, it would be about 10, maybe 20% of the work that we do would be stuff that really should not be there and needs to be taken down. Can you give us an idea of what kind of stuff? Uh, Do you really want me to? I mean, it's horrible. It's all the worst things that you can imagine human beings doing to each other or to animals. So, you know, murders, torture, uh, animal cruelty, child abuse threats of violence, nasty, racist, hatred, uh, hate, nasty, racist, hatred, uh, self-harm, people committing suicide even. I mean, just everything oh. that you would rather not ever imagine would be on Facebook. But Chris, that must take a toll on people like you who do that job to have to see that kind of stuff day after day. What does it do to a person? Well, it, it's, I mean, when you're doing it, it's like, a, you know, you think you're watching a horror movie or, or a documentary or something. You know, you're just working through it, but it starts to kind of build up inside you. And I stopped nearly a year ago and I thought that I was fine. But just very recently, I've, I've started talking to people and finding that I, I get really upset, and really stressed about it. I actually cried at my doctor's surgery last week. So, you know, it, it affects you in ways that you don't really expect or don't anticipate do you, is it fair to say that you probably have PTSD? My doctor says I, do. I don't believe in these modern diseases. But apparently, that's denial. You know, that's another symptom. So, yeah, my doctor says that I have PTSD. And there's a lot of other people coming forward whose symptoms are much worse than mine. You know, people that have been on anxiety medication for six months or 12 months, people that have been off work for a long time, people that have uh, panic attacks at work. So, yeah, we're all kind of gathering together now. We've uh, teamed up with a lawyer, so we're going to push to see what we can get Facebook to do about this. Is what they're doing, is what these companies are doing, is it adequate, do you think, to stem the tide of, of what is out there? Are they doing enough? 
they're doing enough to protect society. I don't know if you can ever do enough. And interestingly, you know, just last week, Mark Zuckerberg came to Dublin and sat down with a bunch of uh, our elected representatives to discuss how Facebook can be more regulated and how government can take control of this, which I think, you know, is it going to be a nightmare for the regulators? He's really trying to push the responsibility over to somebody else because he's realized that they can't do it. It's just too big. It's it's too big a job. It's it's a huge, never ending nightmare. And does it need human eyes? You know what I mean. Like they're oh, they ab- pride themselves on algorithms. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I know they are trying to develop artificial intelligence, but that intelligence has to be programmed or trained using the decisions that we've made. And they, these can be incredibly nuanced. You know, the placement of a comma or just the background context to what somebody is saying can change the the meaning of it, can change whether we consider it violating or not. Because you have to be consistent in your decision-making, so you need very strict rules that you have to follow. And applying those rules evenly then just becomes a, a matter of kind of judgment and nuance sometimes. So how did something show up on a screen in front of you then, Chris? Was it something that got flagged? Was it something that you know came up because Facebook alerted you? Or how did that work? You normally we don't go out proactively looking for anything. You as a user would have to say, oh, I don't like that. And you press the button and you, you report it and then it goes into a queue and then it shows up on my desk. That seems like a pretty big loophole, doesn't it? In what way? Well, it just seems like unless somebody flags it, you know, if it doesn't get flagged, do that want, stuff is still out there. Do you want Facebook monitoring everything that you say and do and immediately responding and deciding whether you can do that? You know, is are these social media companies the right people to be censoring you? Or is the government, for that matter? Do you think this has gotten away from these companies, like from what their original intention was for the world they wanted to create versus what's actually happening? Absolutely. I feel really sorry for Mark Zuckerberg. He had this great idea while he was in college. He built this thing that everybody loved and it really seemed to be doing great things in the world. And now it's been, you know, it's kind of hijacked by the worst elements of humanity. What is the way, do you think, Chris, to fix this? What could they be doing better? (laughs) I would rewrite all the rules, first off, because the rules have grown up over, I would say, about 10 years in response to different situations, very ad hoc, very unstructured. It's not really coherent. It often You'll often find that one rule contradicts another rule, and that's just the way that the thing has grown up. So I would start again with a top-level view, figure out what it is that we're trying to achieve and how to make uh, policy that can be enforced. A lot of the problem we had was that the policy was written by lawyers to, seems like it was written to protect Facebook from um, from criticism rather than to make our lives easy, to make the, make the job doable. Right. So do you think they should start all over again from the top down and take a look at really what their mission is here? Yeah. I mean, nobody's ever defined the mission. Nobody's ever said what the purpose of, of this uh, moderation is. It's always just, we'll add a few more people because another government is complaining. And yeah, you really do need to work with the regulators and with the politicians and with the general public and reach an agreement about what can be done and what can't. But then, of course, you need different rules in different countries, different cultures. Are there enough people actually doing the job that you were doing before? Like, does Facebook employ enough content moderators? Well, I mean, we certainly were under the pump all the time. There was always a tailback, you know, a backlog of stuff that had to be done. There was always work waiting for us to 
come around and pay attention to it. So you could probably get more people in, but this is all money, isn't it? And we're not highly paid. It's very, it's a very low paid job because it costs a lot of money to have somebody processing this stuff. So, you know, who's going to volunteer, especially now that word is getting out about what a terrible job it is. Would, Would you take a really stressful, very high skilled job, even though it's very important, you know, that all you're going to get is criticism at the end of the day, if you were being paid twelve ninety eight an hour. No, I can't see that happening. You're right. Uh, they definitely need to rethink what they're doing. Listen, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. No worries. Thank you, Simi. That's Chris Gray, a former content moderator who worked at Facebook's international headquarters in Dublin, Ireland. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.